morning. Take out your Bibles, your mobile devices, turn to the book of Malachi, last book of your Old Testament on page 389. If you're using one of the Bibles you may have picked up when you came in, the book of Malachi or Malachi as some like to call it, the Italian prophet. Thank you for the courtesy laugh, appreciate that this morning. As you're finding your way there, let me just reiterate again to the men about our men's retreat. Um, normally we do our men's retreat every other year, uh, but we had such a great response to the men's retreat last year. We had over 70 men that went, and they begged us to do it again this year. And I said, now nah, you guys, if we do it back to back, you've got to promise to come back again next year, because we usually do it every other year. And you guys promised and begged, so we've planned it, but the sign-ups have started a little slow. Now, I chalk that up to the fact that most men are procrastinators, and so you just have procrastinated and haven't signed up yet, and so uh, next week is the last week to sign up and get your deposit in. So please, today before you leave, go by the Got Questions table. You can sign up there. Go online to our website, and you can sign up there on, online, but uh, if you're planning to go, let us know, because quite honestly, if we don't get enough to fill our reservation, we'll have to put it off another year, and we really don't want to do that, and I, I'm hearing everybody go, oh, yeah, I'm going, I'm going, I just haven't signed up, so stop procrastinating. Sign up so we can have a great men's retreat uh, again this year. Let me ask you uh, this question by show of hands this morning. How many of you guys are ready to hear what the Word of God says this morning? You ready to hear the Word of God this morning? Raise your hand nice and high. Nice and high. Okay, put them down. How many of you are ready to hear what the Word of God says about money and giving? Oh, you were much slower, much slower to raise your hand. Oh, you kind of caught yourself there. Well, today we are finishing up a two-week mini-series called The Blessed Life. And we're learning what it means to be blessed. And our key thought is this. The secret to a blessed life is to have a heart of generosity. We saw this last week in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. It said, uh, you should remember the words of our Lord Jesus. These are Jesus' words. And here's what he said. It is more blessed. Everybody say, more blessed. It is more blessed to do what? To give than to receive. So we're talking about experiencing the blessed life through our giving because it's more blessed to give than receive. If you were not here last week, I really want to challenge you to go back and watch it. We always uh, put it online. You can listen to the audio. You can podcast it. You can watch the video uh, of last week's message so you get the heart of this because we really shared the heart of this blessed life last week and understanding that God wants us to have the right mindset when it comes to giving and tithing. He wants us to have the basket mindset rather than the bag mindset. And we had the bag and the basket up here. And the bag mindset basically says, you know, I only have so much in my bag, in my bank account, and there's never enough to give back to God or help anybody else. The basket mindset says, I'm going to put God first, I'm going to give it to Him, and God always provides enough in my basket. And so now you know that we're talking about money, we're talking about giving, and, and this is an important subject. M money's an important subject. Um, if you have a lot of money, it's an important subject. If you don't have a lot of money, it's a really important subject. Uh, Zig Ziglar said this, money isn't everything, but it's right up there with oxygen. John Nelson said, I'm having a hard time these days reconciling my net income with my gross habits. Anybody identify with that? Henny Youngman said, I have all the money I need if I die by 4 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> Robert Orban said this, every morning I get up and I check fortune's richest Americans. If I'm not on the list, I go to work that day. As we think about money and, and possessions and giving, uh, I want to, again, remind you, in case you weren't here last week, I want you to hear my heart on, on this subject. This is a difficult subject for, for you to hear. It's a difficult subject for, for me to present. 
And uh, when we started Orchard Church eight years ago, I went about four years and I never did uh, a whole message on money and giving and, and tithing. I didn't want to be that pastor. I didn't want to be that church. You know, always, they always want our money. They're always talking about money. And so I didn't do anything for about four years, five years. And then I, I feel, finally I, I realized that I'd made a lot of assumptions. I assumed that people knew what the Bible said about giving and tithing and experiencing the blessed life. And then people started asking questions. And I realized, okay, they don't know what the Bible says. And God really convicted me as your pastor and laid on my heart because we like to be a church that teaches the Bible verse by verse and, and don't skip around. That this was an area I was avoiding. And I was skipping. And I was afraid to talk about. And what really convicted me from God was that I was robbing you guys of the blessed life if I don't teach you what the Bible says on this subject. And I don't want to rob you of the blessed life. So about once a year, we'll take a week or two and we'll do messages on tithing and giving. And so congratulations, you're here on one of those weeks. Now if you're a first time guest here at Orchard Church, I am so sorry that of all Sundays, you came on this Sunday. Come back next week when we start the book of Jonah. We, we do this just once a year for a couple of weeks. And my heart is this. This is my heart. This is God's heart on this subject when it comes to tithing and money and giving. It's not about what we want from you. It's about what we want for you. And we want for you a blessed life as we are obedient and follow the scriptures about this important teaching. A lot of people are surprised to find out that there are over 2,300 scriptures in the Bible about money and giving and possessions. Uh, there's two times as many scriptures about money and giving and possessions as there are about faith and prayer. Now, good news is we're just going to look at a few today. We're not going to look at 2,300. So you can, you can breathe easy on that. Uh, Jesus, about 15% of his teaching was about money and possessions. So that brings up a question. Why does the Bible and Jesus talk so much about money and possessions and, and giving? And I think one of the clues is what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21. He said this, for where your treasure is, there your heart. Everybody say heart. There your heart will be also. I think we would all agree that what Jesus really wants is our heart. Amen? That's what he wants more than anything else is our heart. But he knows there's a connection between money and possessions and our heart. Because where your treasure is, those things you value, that's where your heart is attached to. It's kind of like this. If, if you go out and you buy stock, let's say you buy stock in Walmart. Or you buy stock in Starbucks. Or you buy stock in Carnival Cruise Lines. I'm sorry if you did that. You know, all of a sudden, once you invest in those stocks, you may not have ever paid attention to the stock market before, but now you pay attention to the stock market. You watch the little ticker going across the screen, and you're looking for your stock because you've invested in that, and your heart is attached to that. Your interest is attached to that. And when we invest in the Lord's work, our heart is attached to the Lord and His work. If that makes sense, say yes. That's why this is such an important subject. It's a subject about the heart and about our faith. And Jesus knows there's this fundamental connection between a person's spiritual life and their actions concerning money and possessions. And the way that we experience a blessed life is to be generous. It's to give. Now, one of the clearest, most detailed passages in the Bible about giving is found in Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 through 10. Let me give you the background. God chooses this prophet named Malachi, and he's going to speak to the nation of Israel on this subject. 
And what you have to understand is this is something God's been talking about for a long time. You know, some people say, oh, well, you know, tithing is, is only an Old Testament law. Except you can go in your Bible in Genesis chapter 14, Genesis chapter 28, you find Abraham and Jacob giving a tithe to the Lord before the law even came along, 400 years before the law. And then under the law, God gave very specific instructions about the tithe in Leviticus, in Numbers, in Deuteronomy. And people say, well, that's an, oh, tithing is only an Old Testament thing. Well, last time I checked my Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are in my New Testament. And in the New Testament, Jesus addressed some men who were tithing and he said, you ought to be doing that. That's a good thing. Don't stop doing that. He commends the tithe. So you th see it throughout the scripture. And, and the reason God sends Malachi with this message to Israel because the Israelites had stopped being obedient to God in this area of their life. And because of it, they were not experiencing God's blessings. They were missing out on the blessed life. And I don't want any of us to miss out on this blessed life. So we can learn from this passage. I'm going to read it in its entirety and then we're going to unpack it. Because there's some great details in here. Malachi chapter 3 verse 8. He starts with a question. Will a man rob God? And Israel's like, whoa, we haven't robbed God. You, yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? And what does he say in, what's the next word? Tithes and offerings. And an offering is anything above the tithe. And we'll talk about what the tithe is in a moment. You are cursed with a curse. That doesn't sound like a blessing. You are cursed with a curse because you've robbed me, God says, even this whole nation. And then he tells them how to fix it. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now. Test me in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a, say it church, blessing, the blessed life that there will not be room enough to receive it. If you're taking notes this morning, there are three truths we learn from this passage in regards to giving and tithing and living the blessed life. The first one is this. We should bring our best to God. We should bring our very best to God. Now, the problem we begin with in this passage is Israel was not bringing their best to God. They were not honoring God. As a matter of fact, they were robbing God. In verse 8 and 9, it says they were robbing God of tithes and offerings and they were under a curse, they were not being blessed. And I believe that one of the keys to understanding this idea of tithing and giving is a right perspective on money and our possessions. And the most important thing that we all need to understand when it comes to, to giving and money and possessions is that it all belongs to God in the first place. It all belongs to Him in the first place. He owns it all. Every blessing that we have is from God. James says, every good thing comes down from the Father, from above. Now, this goes against our very nature. Our very nature. You, you don't have to teach this to anyone. Parents that have young children, you see this all the time. There's a word, probably one of the first words your kids learn, and you didn't have to teach them this word. And you know what that word is? Mine! Mine, 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 mine! You know, the, it's always mine. They want what their brother has, their sister has, their friends have. It's mine, mine, mine. And we, we, we're born with this sin nature that everything should be ours and belongs to us. Yet the Bible says something completely opposed to that. And to have the right attitude toward giving, we have to first learn that God owns it all. It's His. We have to say, God, it's all yours. Let me give you some scriptures on this. And there's many let me give you a couple of them. Psalm 24, 1 says, The earth is the Lord's, and what's the next word? And everything in it. Now that word everything in the Hebrew is translated 
everything. Just to help you out. Okay? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all. Everybody say all. All its people belong to him. Deuteronomy 10, 14 says, Look, the highest heavens and the earth and everything in it all belongs to the Lord your God. One of the first places we have to start to have a right perspective and understanding of this subject is that we're really not owners. We're managers. We're, we're stewards. It really all belongs to God, but he puts it into our trust. It's kind of like your bank. You know, you, you take your money and you, you put it into a, a bank account. And then you go down there one day to your bank and, and you know you got some bills to pay so you want to withdraw some money or you want to go on vacation so you want to take some of your money and you want to use that that you've entrusted to the bank to manage your money, to be a good steward of your money. Can you imagine if you showed up at your bank and you're like, yeah, I'd like to take out some money. Our family's going to go on vacation. And they're like, ah, we got some, we got some bad news for you. We don't have any of your money. It's gone. It's not in your account. Why? Well... We decided to throw a party for our staff at Christmas and we just, you know, drained your account. Sorry. You'd be like, wait a minute. That's, that's not your money. That was my money. I just put you in trust with that. That's how God views us. He says, everything you've got is mine, but I've entrusted it to you. See, God owns it all, but he entrusts us with some. And then there's some that is supposed to go directly back to God. That's the subject of Malachi chapter 3. And what is some that's supposed to back, go back to God? How much is it? What is this amount? It's called a tithe. If you all were here last week, help me out. What does tithe mean? What does it stand for? It's a mathematical term. It means how much percent? 10%. 10%. That's what, it's a mathematical term. It comes from the Hebrew word ma'aser. It comes from the Greek word apadagatu. It means a tenth. It doesn't mean a fifteenth. It doesn't mean a fifth. It means a tenth. In Leviticus 27.30, it says it this way. One, help me, tenth of the produce of the land, whether the grain of the fields or the fruit of the trees. This is how people earned their living and their income back then. Today, it would be our paycheck, however we get paid. Belongs to who? The Lord. That first tenth, God has entrusted it to us, but it really belongs to the Lord. And it must be set apart to Him as holy. You see, that was the problem with Israel when Malachi talked to them. How had they robbed God? They had kept back the first tenth that didn't belong to them, but had been trusted to them to see if they'd have enough faith to honor God and obey God and what he'd asked. And they had kept back what did not belong to them. How many of you would agree that um, robbing someone hurts your relationship with that person? Do you agree with that? You know, if somebody robs you, that's going to hinder your relationship. If you rob somebody, that's going to hinder your relationship. And that was hindering this relationship and fellowship of God's people Israel with their God because they were robbing God of the tent that didn't belong to them. It belonged to God. And the, the result of this robbery, as we see in verse 9, was not only were they not experiencing the blessings of God, but they were under a curse. And things weren't going well. Now, how could they solve this curse? How could they solve this strained relationship and this disobedience? Aren't you thankful that we have a God that whenever we get out of line, he tells us exactly how to get back in line? He doesn't say, okay, you guess. Good luck. Try to figure it out. No, he says, here's where you got away from my word, and here's how you get back in line with my word, and here's how you get back in line with the right relationship with me and become obedient. And so we see the solution. And the solution to the problem was that they bring their best to God. 
And God is very specific how they were to bring their best to him. And every one of these words is important in verse 10. Verse 8 and 9 is the problem. Verse 10 is the solution. And he starts out with the very first. What's the very first word? Bring. Everybody say bring. Bring. Notice he doesn't say give the tithe. He says bring the tithe. You know why we bring it? Because it doesn't belong to us. It's the Lord's. It's holy to him. It's to be set apart. It must go back to him. We bring to him what is already rightfully his. We don't give it to him. We bring it to him. This would be like you loaning a friend your car for a few days and you haven't heard from them. You can't seem to get a hold of them. They kind of skip town and you're like, hey, would you please bring my car back? Ah, I've decided to hang on to it. Whoa. You, you don't say, hey, would you please give me my car back? No, bring me my car because that's my car. And that was what was going on with the children of Israel. And Malachi says, you need to bring to God what does not belong to you. Bring what? What's the very next word? Bring all. Some of your Bibles might say the whole. Bring all of the tithe. Bring the whole tithe. Malachi needed to say to the children of Israel what most Americans, Christians need to hear today. Not some of it. Not part of it, bring all of the tithe, the whole 10%, not the 2.7% that the average Christian in America today gives back to God. That is not called tithing. That is called tipping. God's not looking for tippers. God's asking for obedient tithers to bring all of the tithe, the whole tithe, Back to the Lord. Uh, I told you last week about a man named uh, Randy Alcorn wrote a book called Treasure Principle. And it's got, it's got some great truths and it. it's a simple little read and, about money and giving. And he tells this story in the book Treasure Principle. He said, you know, every time I teach on the subject of tithing and giving and exactly what the Bible says and specifics of Malachi and, and other places in scripture. He said, sometimes I'll have people come up to me and they'll say, well, you know, can I start at 5% and work my way up to 10%? You know, he said, that's like saying, I robbed 10 banks last year, but I'm down to five this year. I'm, I'm doing better. I'm making really good progress. You see, the goal isn't to rob God less this year. The goal is to not rob God at all. Thank you, Mom, for all those amens. Thank you. It's to not rob God at all. That's why Malachi says to fix this problem... And to experience the blessed life, you have to bring all, the whole tithe, the 10% to the Lord. And, and God has an awesome way of giving me illustrations and blessing my heart that I can bless you in, in, in timely ways. As I knew I was going to be teaching on this this morning. And, and let me, listen, I'm going to tell you, I know some of y'all were nervous to come to church today because you knew this was round two of last week. But nobody was more nervous than I was to talk about this subject. Because I, I so want you to get my heart on this and God's heart on this. And this is not a legalistic thing. This is not about what God wants from you. It's what we want for you. And, and, and just to encourage my heart as I was walking out the door, I was, I was getting my backpack and my computer and stuff and laying on the desk in our uh, study there at our house was this envelope. And on the front of the envelope it said, Missy's Tithe. Our daughter's name, some of y'all are going, Who's Missy? Do you have a daughter? That we don't? Our daughter's name is Caitlin, but she likes to go by Missy. 
And so um, this is, was her envelope with her ties. She's 16 years old. Uh, she's had a couple of jobs. She's a nanny right now, and she's making some money. Uh, she's making a lot of money. I need to borrow some money from her. She's got no bills. And uh, so she's making some money, and she took her tithe, her 10%, she put it in an envelope, and, and, it's, and she gave it, and it says, Missy's Tithe. And I saw that. Now, she's, uh, she's probably freaking out right now because she, I, she was asleep when I left, and she doesn't know I have this. I probably should text her and tell her, I've got your tithe with me. But I picked that up, and I, you know what? That blessed my heart. Doesn't that bless your heart? That, that blessed my heart this morning. Because this is something that my parents and my family taught me growing up. It's something that Shelly's parents taught her growing up, and it's something we want our kids to understand growing up. And, and we set the example in, in this area. So, so 10% of what? 10, 10% of what? This is a big question. 10% of the gross or 10% of the net? Well, it's like I said last week. Do you want a gross blessing or a net blessing? I like a gross blessing. But it goes beyond that. It's about the heart of the situation and the matter. And, and we bring all the ties because God wants our best, not our leftovers. He doesn't want after we pay Uncle Sam and our retirement fund and our Roth IRA and our insurance and our debts. And then, well, if I see if I have anything left, then I'll give to God. No, he says, bring all the tithes to the Lord. The first, the best. Proverbs 3.9 says it so clearly. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with your income, your possessions. With the, what's the next word? First fruits. Not at the end of the month, not midway through. See if we got enough. With the first fruits of all your crops, however you get paid. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Some of you are like, oh, I like wine. I'm going to do this. This is a metaphor. It's a, it's a harvesting term. And he's, you know what he's saying? If you put God first and you honor God first and you give God the best and give him the whole tenth, he's going to bless you. There's going to be blessings. That's, that's God's promise. Nowhere is this clearer than the story of two brothers in Genesis chapter 4. You get four chapters into your Bible and you see an illustration of one brother that gets it right and one brother who doesn't. You know, you probably heard of these brothers, Cain and Abel. And they're both going to give something to God, but they gave in different ways. God accepted one of their gifts and God rejected and did not look favorably on one of their gifts. And listen to what the Bible says in Genesis 4, 3. It says this, in the course of time, not, not, not at first, but in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. In other words, he was working the land and God was blessing and he was getting a harvest. And instead of giving God first and giving God best, he waited some time to make sure he had enough for himself first. And then it doesn't say he tied, it just says he gave some. He's like, okay, I got a little extra left over, so now I'm going to give some after time has passed to the Lord. But look at what it says about Abel. And Abel also brought an offering. What kind of portions? Fat portions. The good stuff. The best stuff from some of the, what? What's the next word? Firstborn. Do you see the difference? He gave of the best portions of the firstborn of his flock. He gave to God first. He gave to God his best, believing the rest would be blessed. And then the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. Because he gave God first and gave God best. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. Do you see the difference? Say yes. You see it right there, four chapters into the Bible. The difference between someone who gives God best and gives God first and trusts God to bless the rest and someone who waits to see if they have enough and they tip God instead of tithe. God deserves our best, not our leftovers. 10% of our gross income, 
Malachi says, goes back to God first. And you know what? God never asks us to do anything he's not willing to do. And didn't God give his best? And didn't God give his first? Let me remind you of the probably most familiar passage in the Bible, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He gave his first, he gave his best, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He set the standard. And he asked us to do the same. And, and if I could just be completely honest, if, if, if you were sitting in my office right now and you were struggling in this area, this, this is what I would say to you. That one reason why so many Christians rob God in the area of tithing is because they wait till the end of the month to see if there's anything left. And they give God leftovers instead of giving God first and giving God best and believing that he'll bless the rest. And that just is practically what happens. I think one of the most practical ways that you can make sure you're doing this, uh, we started this several years ago because most everybody banks online these days. You know, hardly any of us carry cash and we don't even, I can't remember the last time I wrote a check. We do everything online. Many of you guys do online. And for those of you that bank online, we started online giving here at Orchard Church. And we, we did it because most, a lot of you were asking us to do it. And one of the cool things, if you go to our website and you set up your giving online, you can, you can calculate, okay, this is my first 10% to God based on my gross income. You can set that up so that every month or every two weeks or however you get paid, it automatically goes to the Lord. And so you can be faithful every month. If you're on vacation, it still happens. If you're away, it still happens. What, it just, it's a way to be faithful in our giving. And again, it's not about what we want from you. It's what we want for you. And it's a tangible way for you to put God first and, and, and give him your best. I'll say what I said last week. I'll say it again this week. It's a whole, and I've learned this in my own life. I've seen it in other people's lives. It's a whole lot easier to live on 90% blessed by God than trying to live on 100% not blessed by God. And that's what we're talking about here. Not only in Israel was it not blessed, it was cursed. God was, God was holding back blessings because they were not following the Lord in this area. So where are we to give, this is a question, well then, okay, if we're supposed to give the first whole 10% off our gross income to the Lord, where are we supposed to give it? Well, Malachi tells us, bring all the tithes into the what? The storehouse, most scholars today agree that the local New Testament church that you attend, if it's Orchard, it's Orchard, or, or if it's another church, it's another church, that the local New Testament church is the equivalent of the Old Testament storehouse today. The center of activity in the Old Testament was God's house, the temple. The center of activity today in the New Testament is the local New Testament church where God's people gather together to study God's word, to worship God, to minister to people. Jesus died for the church Jesus empowered the church. Jesus commissioned the church. Jesus is coming back for the church. Paul wrote letters to churches. He started churches. It only makes sense that God would want the church to be resourced to do the work of God to get today. So bringing our best to God involves bringing 10% of our gross income to the church to further the Lord's work. Now, you say, well, what if I want to give to something outside of the church? Great. That's not called a tithe. That's called an offering. An offering is anything above the 10%. Many times in the Bible when you read about the offering, it's called a free will offering. Okay, you've given the tenth, the first tithe to the Lord to the local New Testament church, but now you want to give to missions. You know, you want to give to a feeding center. You, you want to support a kid in Africa through Compassion International or World Vision or, or you want to give to Red Cross. You want to help a friend in need. Great, wonderful, awesome. I hope you'll do those things. Those are offerings over and above 
the tithe, and we're free to give those as God leads us where he leads us to give them. Now, I want you guys to, to get this. So I'm going to give you a visual today. This is one of my favorite illustrations when it comes to, to giving. Um, obviously, as we're reading these scriptures, the, in Bible times, these people lived off the land. That was their income. That was their livelihood. That's how they made a living. So you have all these harvesting and fruit analogies. And so we're going to use a fruit analogy to help us understand what God is telling us to do to bring our best to him. And so I went yesterday and I, and I bought some fruit. I was going to go by myself and buy the fruit. And Shelly said, no way, Jose. She said, I want to go with you to buy the fruit so that after your illustration, we can enjoy the fruit. And I want to pick the fruit out. So this is pre-approved fruit illustration by my wife, Shelly, this morning. All right, so let's say God blesses you with some bananas. Anybody like bananas? I love bananas. You're good on cereal. Okay, let's say God blesses you with 10 bananas. According to the scriptures, okay, God has blessed it. Now, God owns the bananas. God made the bananas, but he puts them into our trust. 10 bananas. How many of these bananas belong to God that we're to bring back to him? Yeah, you guys have been paying attention. Very good. One, a tenth. So this is, this is what we bring to God. This is what God says He's blessed us with. Now, here's the deal. This is what God has for us, and this is what God asks from us. This is a pretty good deal, okay? And it gets better, all right? All right, let's say that God blesses you with uh, some apples. You guys like apples? We, we almost had a family uh, squabble in a Target produce section yesterday because our daughter, Missy, was there, and I said, okay, I need 10 10 of different kinds of fruit. I need 10, you know, apples. And so, to me, an apple is an apple. Yes, yeah, that's exactly what Shelly did. I was like, I, what's the difference? And so Shelly and Missy got in this big debate over which kind of apple. I'm like, just give me 10 apples. So I don't know what these are. But these are, according to Shelly, these are the best kind of apples. And so I, God blesses you with 10 apples. All right, how many of these really belong to the Lord that we're to bring to him? One. So this is what God has for you and this is what God asks from you this is what God has blessed you with this is what God asks from you okay let's say God blesses you with some oranges okay 10 oranges this is what God has for you and uh, how many of these oranges belong to the Lord that we're to bring to him one of the 10 okay you can see this illustration going here this is what God has for you this is what God asks from you for you from you this is what God has blessed you with I got one more here um Oh, this is a good one. Some of you are going to like this. Some of you will not. Do you know what these are? Avocados. Avocados are good for one thing. Guacamole. Yes. I will be having some guacamole later with these, uh, these avocados. So God blesses you with 10 avocados. They really all belong to the Lord. He's provided all of this, but he's going to bless us with this. He says, this is what I have for you. And, and what does he ask from us? One avocado. Is this not a good deal? This is what God has for us, and this is what God asks from us. But here's, oh, you, you can clap. I'm used to the 8 o'clock service. They're like, <clears throat> but they're here, and they're freeing up seats in the 930, so praise God for them. Here's the problem with this illustration, though. This is what God has for us, and this is what God asks from us, and this is an incredible deal. And every once in a while, you know, he said, God, God has blessed me so much, you know, I'd, I'd like to give him an extra orange. I'd like to give him an extra avocado. And that's an offering. But here's what a lot of Christians do. 
They look at what God has done for them, and they look at what God has asked from them, and we do stuff like this. We go, you know, I know I've got all this, but boy, I, I really like bananas. Is God really going to miss my banana? He's got lots of bananas. I think I'm just going to keep this one for myself. God won't miss it. God won't know. You know, I really like apples, and I've got some extra debts to pay this month. And so, you know, and we're going on vacation, and God's got lots of fruit. And, and we start picking off of God's table what belongs to him. God wants our best. God asks for our first fruits. And, and when we give God our best, he blesses the rest. This is what God has for us. This is what God asks from us. Is that clear? We need to bring our best to God. 10% of our gross income to the local church because that's what God asks us to do. Now, I know this is hard, especially for those of you that maybe haven't been taught this growing up. If you haven't been used to tithing and you're like, you mean all of a sudden I got to find a way to work this into my budget? And so God not only says bring our best to him, but number two, he says in this passage, bring our tests to God. Not only do we bring our best to God, we bring our tests to God. You see, this is a step of faith to give 10% of our income to the Lord. And it's a lack of faith, to be quite honest, that will keep us from doing this. And God knows this is difficult. God knows this is challenging. And so look at what he says in verse 10. After he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And then watch what God says. It's the only place in the Bible where God asks for us to do this. And it's in the context of tithing. He's just talked about how to tithe. He says, and try me now in this. Put me to the test. Try me now. Test me. And see if I won't bless you. It's a test of faith. When we did this several years ago, we started something in, here at Orchard Church called the 90-Day Tithe Challenge. Giving people a tangible op opportunity and way to step out in faith and to trust God with the tithe. We call it the 90-Day Tithe Challenge. We challenge you to tithe for 90 days and take God at his word and put him to the test and see if he won't bless you. And, and we mean this, if at any point in 90 days or at the end of 90 days, if you put God first with your tithe and he has not blessed you and you don't believe he's blessed you and taken care of you and met your needs, then you let us know and no strings attached, no questions asked, we'll give it all back to you. That's how much faith we have in what God has said here. We're going to help you take this step of faith. We had last week uh, almost 50 families and individuals here at Orchard Church this year sign up for the 90-Day Tithe Challenge last week alone. Can we praise God for that? I think that's incredible. I'm going to give you guys this morning an opportunity to take the 90-Day Tithe Challenge. Maybe you were considering it last week. Maybe you weren't here last week. Here's how you take the 90-Day Tithe Challenge. Um, on your connection card there in your newsletter that you drop, drop in the offering bucket, on the back, it says, I'm interested in, there's an other box. Just check that box and put 90-Day. Just put 90-day tithe or 90-day, we'll know what it is. I don't need your name on the front. The only thing I ask from you is your email address. And you're like, oh, I know why you want that. You're going to send me a bill for my tithes. No, this is not between you and me. This isn't really even between you and the church. It's between you and the Lord. Here's why I want your email address. I'm going to do for you what I did for the 50 families last week. I'm going to send you a little welcome letter or a little encouragement letter that I can be praying for you. I may or may not know your name based on your email, but I'm going to be praying for those emails. And I'm going to email you a welcome letter to the 90-Day Tithe Challenge. And here's the most important part. This is the fun part. As you put God to the test and he blesses you, we want to hear your stories. When God shows up in radical ways, and he will, email us the stories. I'm already starting to get some I'm going to be sending out this week. 
email us your story, and we're going to email it to everybody taking the 90-day tie challenge so we can all celebrate in the goodness of God, a God that is true to his word when we put him to the test. And so let us know. You can sign up today, drop it in the offering bucket, and take the 90-day tie challenge, and let's just see what God does as we put him to the test. I want you to hear a testimony of one of our families that took the 90-day tie challenge a couple years ago and how God blessed them. Well, Doug spoke on it last year, and uh, just his sermon and the uh, testimonies from others really challenged us, and we felt like we should uh, take that challenge ourselves. Well, we had always uh, given a tithe, but we always did that on the net instead of the gross, and so, uh, you know, it was a... Uh, increase in the money that we would be giving each each month and we have a tight budget and so it was you know it was a challenge for us to say could we could we go ahead and give that extra amount soon after we took the 90-day challenge um, we started seeing things happening in our life Melinda's had worked part-time for 18 years and, and her hours were increased so she's working full-time and got a, a better uh, salary plus it helped out on her future retirement and those sorts of things and uh, so that was exciting for us. Um, I have a little consulting business, a forestry consulting business and uh, we had a very good year last year and uh, so it was, it was fun for us to see how God would bless us. people to, to take that step. It's fun to see God working and it's exciting in so many ways. Great testimony. Amen. When we bring our best to God and we bring our test to God, here's the great news. Here's the good news. It's the third point. We are blessed by God. And that's what we're talking about. The blessed life. Look at verse 10. He says, test me if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing, a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Now, be careful with this word blessing. When God says he's going to pour out a blessing, it comes from the Hebrew word baraka. And it does not mean lottery winner. It doesn't mean Royals Royce. It doesn't mean mansion. You know, and it's, it's better this word Barak, when God says, I'm going to pour out a blessing, if you put me first and you, you put me, uh, give me your best and you put me to the test, I'm going to bless you. It's, it's something that money can't buy. You know what this word means? Peace. Isn't that what we all want more than anything else? And we can look around this world and see people that have all the money and the possessions that people would aspire to have, but they have no peace. See, so we're not just talking about financial blessings. It might include some of that, but it also can mean emotional blessings. It can mean spiritual blessings. It can mean physical blessings. It means that we experience God's peace in our life. That's the blessings that he pours out. When we trust God with our finances, he proves that he is a God who is faithful and he's real and he wants to bless us with his peace. If I could just close by my own personal story for Shelly and I. We've been married 21 years, and when we, when Shelly and I first got married 21 years ago, I, I was just, 
I had just started full-time ministry, and I was a student director at this church in Missouri. And uh, I, was, I made $1,000 a month. Now, here I had a new family, me and my wife, and, and we were trying to live on $1,000 a month. But, but my family had always taught me, God, I'd always seen his word about tithing. I'd been doing that individually, so had Shelly with anything she made. And so now we were doing it as a marriage. And on paper, you know, we put God first. And we always have given above the tithe. We've always given to missions, feeding centers, things like that. And so we put God first. And on paper, it never made sense. But we believed if we put God first and put him to the test, we would be blessed. And we had peace. We had seen it happen in our families, in our homes, in other people's lives, and we had peace, and we didn't worry about it. And you know what? I, I still to this day, it was a supernatural thing God provided for three years, making $12,000 a year. God took care of us. We never missed a meal, and we've been able to live debt-free except for a house most all of our marriage. And we just trust to God. Now, God blesses us in a lot of different ways. When we first got married, the first three years of our marriage, um, both of our parents lived in the same town that we lived in. We ate at their house all the time. They thought, oh, this is so sweet. They miss us so much. They keep coming over for dinner. We were hungry. But God blessed us, and we had peace, and it was good. And then God called us away from Missouri to move 500 miles away, eight hours away to Indiana to, to a new ministry. And I got a little bit of a raise, but not much. And, and we were like, oh, no, we can't go eat at mom and dad's. What are we going to do now? We're like, oh, God, please give us some friends we can mooch off really quick when we get to Indiana. But you know what? We didn't worry about it. We had peace. And, and again, we put God first. God took care of it. It was never an issue. And God just continued to bless us. And then in 2002, God laid on our heart to join a ministry here in Colorado, down in Pueblo. You know it was from God if we were willing to go to Pueblo. It was a God-calling thing. And so we went to this church, and, and, and again, we got a little bit of an increase, but, but, but now we had a family of four. You know, it was us and our two kids and all of these things, and it was a big step of faith. And we were like, oh, well, how are we going to make it? And, you know, and how's that going to all work out? But God had taken care of us you know, thus far, and we believe God. So we get to the church, and they said, okay, here's the deal. If you guys want to you know, get an apartment or rent a house or buy whatever, you can. But we have this house on our property. It was like 50 years old. It was sitting there. It, it was, it, it, nobody had lived in it for several years. It was 900 square feet. But they said, we won't change your salary, but if you want, you can live in that house for free. We lived in that house for free for two years. Two long years. But, God, but we had peace. And we knew God was in control and knew what he was doing. Because at, at the end of two years, God laid on our heart to come to Denver, Colorado and take a complete step of faith, not knowing where our income was going to come from. No salary waiting on us. We had some friends and family that were going to support us financially until the church could support us. But it wasn't near enough to take care of everything. But we stepped out on faith and we had complete peace that God would take care of it. And now eight years later, God has blown us away with his goodness. And we've experienced his peace in our life and continue to. And I say that because I want you guys to experience that. I want all of you to experience that. Again, if you, if you were just, I'm going to put myself out there a little bit right now. Not too far, I'll fall in this pit. But right here. I, I, I just want to pretend for a second that you guys are sitting individually with me in my office and you're asking for counsel in this area. And I see so many individuals and couples and families 
that say, I know what God's word says about this subject. I know what it says. I've tried and I've fallen off the wagon time and time again or I've never tried or I don't know what to do. And I would just say, trust God. This is a step of faith. Trust God and see what he will do because he is a God who is true to his word. Amen, church? And it breaks my heart because I watch people sometimes struggle month after month, year after year, because they just don't put God first in this area of their life. And they wonder why they continue to financially and struggle and struggle in other ways in their life. And, and God wants you to experience the blessed life. And it's, again, it's not about what we want from you. Orchard Church does not need your money. God certainly doesn't need your money. But you need to experience the blessed life. And the key to a blessed life is a heart of generosity and putting God first, giving him your best, putting him to the test, and then you will be blessed on the authority of God's word. Amen? All right, would you bow your heads with me? Your heads bowed for just a moment. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or anything, but if you're here today and you'd say, you know what, God is really wanting me to take a step of faith in this area of my life. Maybe right now, as I'm just talking and we're getting ready to pray, you need to fill out that card and you need to give us your email and you just need to commit to the 90-day tithe challenge between you and the Lord, but that's the step you need to take. To put God to the test, to bring your best to God, bring your test to God and see that you will be blessed by God. And if God has laid it on your heart to do that, I hope you'll take that step of faith today. If you're here and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, um, listen, Jesus is not interested in your money today. He's interested in your heart, your life. We're not interested in your money. We're interested in, in, your, in your soul. And Jesus gave his best, his one and only son, to die for you. And so if you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God wants your your heart and your life today, not your money. And I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior if you've never made that decision. This is how we try to close every service here at Orchard Church. And so I want to lead you in a prayer of faith, a prayer that you could pray from your heart to God's right now. And if you put faith behind this prayer, and it's not just empty words, but you believe it and mean it, you can invite Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, the one who gave his best and only son to save you. If you're ready to make that decision, would you pray this with me from your seat? Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross for me to pay for my sins. Jesus, forgive me where I failed you. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life today. I accept you by faith as my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you for giving your son for me. Thank you. Lord, we just uh, thank you for setting the standard of giving by giving your son that we might have eternal life. Lord, we thank you that every blessing, James says, is from the Father above that comes down on us, every good and every perfect gift. Lord, you've blessed us with so much. You have so much for us. You ask so little from us. May we be obedient in that area of our life. May we trust you. May we take that step of faith to give our best, to put you to the test so that we are blessed. I pray for all those who are struggling, Lord, and scared and fearful to take the step of faith, that you'd help them to step out and put you to the test and that you would bless their life and that it would be a turning point in their life in a tangible way that you, they could look back and say, that's when I really begin to, to trust God and to put my faith in Him. And that most of all, that we then would experience your blessing of peace 
peace that passes all understanding, peace that money cannot buy, knowing that we are living under the umbrella of your blessing and your protection and your guidance as we walk by faith and not by sight and that we experience your peace in and through all of our lives. Thank you, God, for all your blessings. We live in a country that where we have all been blessed more than we can even fathom. And you have blessed us so we can be a blessing to others and to you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we celebrate the Lord's blessings this morning? Let's celebrate it.